It is time to welcome in our pal, Joel Klatt, lead college football analyst at Fox Sports. He joins us presented by Audi Flatirons. I know you are blown away that the Rockies have not been aggressive in free agency based on the time that you spent covering that team. I'm shocked and hurt and shocked. <laughs> They're probably just biding their time, Joel, so they can pounce sure, on the real bargains. They're playing the long game, guys. Yeah. <laughs> They've been doing it for years. Yeah, Decades right. of long that's game. Right. They're playing I think what chess. they might roll out next year, and hear me out, is the piggyback rotation again. <laughs> and it's going to work this time. Uh, Don't worry. Right. And why? Because the ballpark looks tremendous. Yeah, it does look <laughs> tremendous, that's for sure. Hey, what was it like? I mean, you call a game every week, college football, saw a picture of you and your beautiful family there at the Rose Bowl. What was it like just to go and be a fan, Joel? Man, <laughs> I mean, it's a little surreal. I would, you know, it's it's one of those games that it's such a special place. Like, if you've never been to the Rose Bowl, it's it's an incredible incredible experience. I, I can't quite explain it. I think it's the greatest venue and, and sport event in American sports only because the Super Bowl has become so corporate and rotates around and, you know, it's lost some of the nostalgia. Now, having, having said that, just sitting there with my, my boys, it's the only game college game I get to go to and just sit and watch with my boys. So to sit there and, and talk about what's going on in the game and, and like, it's just a really special afternoon. They ended up like, yeah, we were sitting with uh, quite a few Michigan fans. So they ended up, you know, high-fiving those people and starting to root really hard. So it was exciting at the end, man. They were fired up. Did that game go the way you thought it would? Um, you know, geez, I, I picked Bama, Mike. And, and the reason was because of the way that they played against Georgia. I mean, I thought that they had, they had, developed into a team that was more in line with what we know Bama to be. Uh, but for the rest of the regular season, Michigan really was the more dominant, more complete, and better football team. And that's what they proved uh, in the Rose Bowl. And, and what's interesting to me is that they didn't even play well and still won the game. And, and that generally doesn't happen against Alabama. Think about how poorly they played on the special teams, which is really not in their character. Um, but they were able to overcome that and still win the game and in large part due to the fact that they are so dominant at the line of scrimmage, really on both sides, but specifically on the defensive line. They rotate five guys in there at defensive tackle alone, all 300 pounds. They can all get after it. And Alabama just couldn't deal with that defensive line. And it was going to be incredibly difficult for them to drive the length of the field and score. Really, the only two drives that Alabama had, they had one drive where they kind of drove the length of the field. But other than that, it was gifts of field position from Michigan that allowed them to go punch it in the end zone. Um, so I can't say that I was I was surprised because I'd covered Michigan so much. But I, I, was, I was leaning towards Bama in the game just because of what we had seen in the, in the previous matchup against Georgia. Hey, what did you make of the last play of the game of Alabama? They motioned the back out of the backfield and then run quarterback counter. And I don't, I don't know if there was an option to throw it to the back who was, uh, you know, flying out to the uh, out to the outside there to the flat. Yeah. But what would you make of that? What do you think about that play? I mean, sitting in the stands, Mark, I I, I was convinced the ball was going to the quarterback. I, I convinced that Jalen Miller was going to get the ball because that that's what had been successful for them. For, for the entirety of the day. And really the only consistent thing that they could do was run the quarterback. So then it becomes about like, well, how are you going to do that? What options does he have? 
it does seem like he had an option to throw the football. That swing route was looking back at him, although there was no depth and it would have been a difficult pass. The swing route, if he throws it, probably gets in the end zone. Um, you know, we'll, you, you never 100% know, but probably gets in the end zone. And the low snap maybe took that option away from Milrow. What I think is, is if I was a Bama fan, here, here's why I would be frustrated, is, is that if you're, if you're going to run the quarterback, you've got to provide some sort of horizontal stretch in the, in the defense. And they were trying to do that just with pre-snap motion, and they didn't do that with pre-snap alignment. Um, if you're going to get into the weeds, they ran that counter to the tight end. That tight end should have been flexed because Michigan showed man coverage all three snaps. The first play timeout, second play timeout, third play is called. They showed man all three snaps, and that's really their coverage down inside the five. And so if you flex the tight end, you're forcing the man player, which is the, the, the linebacker, to declare whether he's going to be a box defender and play really heavy inside leverage or outside with, with like man technique as just a, a, a pass defender. It also forces the nickelback, who's in, in a blitz at that point, because it's basically cover zero blitz. Mikey Sainer still is the nickelback. Now he's got to declare, like, well, am I going to be on outside leverage, the flex tight end, or inside? And then after that, rather than motioning the back, I would have run the what I would call the wide stretch zone counter, which allows you to give the ball to the running back on the stretch, and that also provides some horizontal pressure on that interior front, and then you can run the quarterback on the inside and really fold that line uh, in after collapsing the left side down. So I know that that's all, like, I guess, in the weeds and technical, but I, I thought that the formation and, and the horizontal stretch pressure was what was lacking in the in the play. Yeah, I, I always look at quarterback run and saying you're taking away the advantage once you motion everybody out of the backfield. You're taking away the, the man advantage you have from the standpoint of, you know, we get number counts. So even if you fake it to that back, you've got him as a blocker. And, you know, and then that's the number count advantage you get with quarterback run. But like you said, in the weeds, I want to ask you about uh, about the matchup between Michigan and Washington for the national championship. And um, and in particular, as you kind of break it down, the two quarterbacks. And, and what do you think yeah. about either of those quarterbacks as potential draft picks here in Denver now that uh, Russell Wilson seems to be, uh, you know, hitting the skids? I think Michael Penix is um, way underrated. I think the guy is elite, elite, elite. Now, he's going to get red flags because of his knees, his knee injuries. But, man, when you watch him play, he, he is an elite passer of the football. And, and here's what I love about the way that he plays is, is one, yes, he's got great wide receivers, and, and they've got a, a terrific offensive line that provides him time. But he doesn't panic even if he does get pressure. You know, Texas pressured him 16 times in that game. And he only took one sack. He was a master at manipulating the pocket and getting himself in a position to throw the football down the field and not just run outside of the pocket and try to, you know, dump the ball, but manipulate in order to get himself in a position to threaten the defense down the field with accuracy. And he did that several times. And then the thing I love about the way that he passes the ball down the field is, yes, he's accurate and he's got good velocity and there's solid RPMs. All of that is true. But I think he's one of the best leverage passers I've seen in college in a long time. And what I mean by that is he's basically, he's basically counting cards for his wide receivers. 
Okay, if you've read the book Bringing Down the House, you'll know that counting cards just puts the odds in your favor when you're playing blackjack against the, the casino. And, and he's constantly putting the odds in his wide receiver's favor when he's throwing the ball. And the way he does that is he's constantly throwing the ball away from the defense and giving his, he's communicating with the ball placement to his wide receiver and he's taking them away from the defender. So those guys, even though they're elite wide receivers and they would be great in the 50-50 situation, they rarely have to go and compete for a 50-50 ball because he's giving them 60-40 probability, 70-30 probability because of the leverage that he passes with. He's so good, and, and, you know, I would expect him to play well against Michigan. The difference is that Michigan is, is specifically beat, uh, built excuse me, to beat a team that is built like Washington. Why? Because this Michigan team and this version of this program in the last three years wasn't necessarily built to win a national championship. Jim Harbaugh built this team to beat Ohio State, and specifically a version of Ohio State that included C.J. Stroud, Garrett Wilson, Jackson Smith, and Jigba, and Chris Olave it's eerily similar to what they're going to face against Washington. And so their ability to control the game, limit the possessions, that's all going to be paramount in the way that they play. And then you get to their quarterback, J.J. McCarthy, and he's much more of a system-oriented guy. He, he plugs himself into that system. Now, I think he's got ability that exceeds what they ask him to do, but he plays a role within their entirety of their system because it's such a complimentary football team and the way that they play on offense, special teams, and on defense. I think J.J. is extremely talented, but I I believe that J.J. needs another year in school. I think he needs to develop, in, in, in particular, the pocket passing game a little bit more. Whereas Penix, I would take him in the top five. I would take him in the top five tomorrow. I think he improves 13, 14, 15 teams. Next week, if he was on their team, let me put it to you this way, and I know this is going to sound crazy. I, he's a better version of Tua. Like, if he's on Miami's team right now with Mike McDaniels, they're more dangerous. Hmm. Visit with Joel Clapp, presented by Audi Flatirons. What did you think of Jared Stidham's performance? It was it was good in, in the sense that there were games this year that that's basically what you got from Russell Wilson. So, like, why not pay a fraction uh, to that player who's giving you that performance. Um, I think that the defense was obviously the star. They're playing against a team that's in, in shambles right now and, and going to be looking for a new, a new coach. But uh, from my seat, I didn't, I didn't see anything that was egregious uh, about Stidham. But I do think, listen, I don't think Stidham's the, the answer. Not when you've got four quarterbacks in this draft that can go and, and get it. Not when you're going to have Justin Fields probably uh, available via trade, depending on what the Bears uh, do. I, I think that there are other options where Denver can get a guy probably at a number that is that is palatable from a contract situ- uh, standpoint that allows you to some flexibility to improve the rest of your roster. Hey, when you look at the the Sean Payton, Russell Wilson uh, d- debate. Uh, I'd love to get your thoughts on this because one of the arguments that we we hear a lot of in support of Russ or criticism of Sean is that Sean is too beholden to his system and that he wants somebody who can run his system as opposed to uh, taking somebody with the talents of Russ that while they maybe don't fit his system, can still win in today's NFL, and that it's up to Sean to adapt to what he has, 
not so much go out looking for what he wants. How do you feel about that? I mean, I mean, listen, and again, you know, like Mark, I know you watch the coaches tape and I'm just watching the games, Uh but man, I feel like he's adjusted. That ain't the saints offense. He's not in scat protect constantly allowing a shotgun quarterback to protect himself with five free releases. He's not running jerk routes into the, into the short side with, with an elite one-on-one, you know, slot or running back type of talent like he did in new Orleans. He's, he's not throwing the ball as often or as prodigiously as what they were doing uh, with, with new Orleans. So to me, I, that argument falls flat a little bit for me because I do feel like he has adjusted. Look at the way that they've won some of those games and the style with which they're playing with the tight ends and the run action pass and, and the style of, of, of game plan that they've had to protect the defense and, and run the football. So in, in my eyes, I'm sitting there and I'm thinking like, well, hold on a second. Hasn't he adjusted? I like, what do you, what do you want him to do? Give Russ? final say didn't we already try that the year prior that didn't end up very well and the the problem is is that you're looking out there at a player that is that is getting paid an exorbitant amount of money and in the nfl it's not just about the dollar figure but it's about the production per dollar that you're paying and i think that that sean payton looked out there and he and he realized and evaluated what Russ was actually giving him in particular in critical moments when you would talk about third downs when they would get into some of those passing games and he wouldn't make quality or quick decisions based on hots or or leverage or where the ball was coming out and he would constantly just run around and I think Sean was like hey man we we I whatever you want to call it can't win at the top level like this this, this is not going to work, and this is not why I was hired, and I need to move on from this. That's that's my take. Now, does that make me, like, siding with the coach? I guess, but I think this notion that he just didn't try or didn't adjust at all is is a bit foolish, um, at least in my estimation. So it's not – let me make sure I have this right, because I think, Mark, you kind of said something similar earlier on. So just to be clear that from both of you, that it's not that Sean isn't willing to coach to what he's got – it's that what he's got, he has determined he can't win big with. I, I think that's the case because he did adjust, right? And he's looking at some of those games and the way that they went at the critical moments. Because, listen, the NFL is about two minute and third down. That's what it's about, all right? And and that's what a coach is ultimately going to evaluate. And, and outside of maybe like Buffalo, when were the real critical moments that you were just like, man, Russ was great in those moments? I, I saw a lot of, of, you know, broken protections because he didn't get the ball out to a, a, a bullet out of the backfield or a side adjust. And then you would see, even on the TV copy, he would walk over to the sidelines and Sean would just be looking at him like, what are you looking at? There was so much of that this year. And if you want to say that that's Sean's fault, then okay. But I just don't think it is. Yeah, I, I, I mean – you're not getting any argument from me. And there were adjustments. And bottom line is, you know, the thing that drives me crazy is you're three-step dropping and then you're bailing on the back of the pocket where everybody's setting, you know, inside to, to allow you to step up and taking sacks and, like you said, not throwing the ball on time. On It just is, yeah, it is time to move. I appreciate you. We appreciate you, man. Happy New Year, Joel. 
Happy New Year, guys. I hope uh, hope you have a good rest of the week. Should be an interesting offseason, right? I mean, again, these quarterbacks are good in this draft, boys. By the way, really quick, you said four. Uh, yep. So, Williams, Drake May, Penix, and who? Jaden Daniels. Jaden Daniels. All right, we'll talk more about these guys as uh, we move along because I'd like to hear your your thoughts of the, on them as we uh, look at possible future Denver Bronco quarterbacks. Joel, you're the best. Thank you. You got it, guys. Have a good one. Joel Clatt presented by Audi Flatirons.